Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Jeff is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Jeff. Well, I, I, I love series about relationships, and I want to start this by setting the tone that this series about relationships, I don't want you to get uh, stuck in your mind that this is just going to be about uh, male-female relationships, marriage relationships, those kinds of things. This series, as we've crafted it this year, and we almost always do have a relationship series in the fall, is, is really about all the different kinds of relationships you have in your lives. It's about your dearest friendships. And yes, it, it, it's about your marriage, it's about your family, your relationship with your children, but it's also about your relationship with your neighbor or the coworker who sits in the cubicle next to you who, or who rides in the truck uh, next to you. So we're talking about a wide spectrum of relationships. And today, really, I'm going to focus on friendships and the Bible's teaching that we were not meant to go through life alone. Today, we're talking about setting vision. And I want to just start today by saying, from the very get-go, God set a vision that we as human beings were not to do life alone. I think I've got a video that might resonate with you on this theme. So let's play that video. You find out life's this game of inches. So is football. Because in either game, life or football, the margin for error is so small. I mean, one half a step too late or too early, and you don't quite make it. One half second too slow, too fast, you don't quite catch it. The inches we need are everywhere around us. They're in every break of the game, every minute, every second. (laughs) On this team, we fight for that inch. The six inches in front of your face. Now I can't make you do it. You gotta look at the guy next to you. Look into his eyes. Now I think you're gonna see a guy who will go that inch with you. You're gonna see a guy who will sacrifice himself for this team because he knows when it comes down to it, you're gonna do the same for him. That's a team, gentlemen. Now, it gets no better when it comes to teamwork than Al Pacino playing Vince Lombardi. Like, that's good, right? And it was good. Like, when I saw that video, I got hyped. And, and I think there's a reason we get hyped when we see a video like that. A reason that, that has something to do with how, as human beings, all of us are constructed. The Bible teaches us that while God's law... God's God's methodology for living is written here in this book. The Bible teaches us that God has left a shadow of that law also in our hearts, that, that his law is written in our hearts from birth. And when we hear a video like that, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, there's something that resonates with that message because we sense the truth in it. 
we sense the reality that trying to do life alone is not being in touch with reality somehow. And so that's what we want to talk about in this series about relationships, about the importance of teamwork in our life, the importance of doing life together with others. And especially today, we want to talk about the friendships that God has placed in our life, those people that God has placed all around us to walk through life with us. Sometimes it's just for a season, and sometimes it's for a lifetime, But what I want you to see is whether it's for a lifetime or a season, behind every friendship, there's God's reason. He has a reason for having placed that in your life. So let's talk about Ecclesiastes. Let's dive in here. And I I love the book of Ecclesiastes. Let me just introduce the book of Ecclesiastes a little bit. Imagine that somebody came to you and said, who would you love if if in all the history of the world you could sit down and have dinner with just one person? Who would that person be? And I'm sure for many of us, the most natural answer, well, Jesus. I'd love to sit down and have dinner with Jesus. Maybe some of us would, would say, well, okay, that's, he's God, so we'll take him out of the equation. So the Apostle Paul or the Apostle John, I'd love to sit down and have dinner with them. I'll tell you, I think Solomon would be a pretty good contender for someone to sit down and, and have dinner with. Here's the guy that when he was a young king, when God came to him and said, you can have anything you wish for, he said, man, I, I've just been made king and I don't know the first thing about being a good king to these people, a good leader to these people. Lord, my prayer is just, just give me wisdom. And throughout his life, in answer to that prayer, God allowed Solomon to accumulate a lot of wisdom. Not that he was perfect by any means. He was a sinful man. He, he did things that led him astray at times from God. But this book, Ecclesiastes, is written toward the end of Solomon's life. We're talking probably about 930, 935 B.C., Solomon has gotten old, so now he's not only accumulated all this wisdom throughout life, he's accumulated a lot of experience too. And I think sitting down with the book of Ecclesiastes is sort of like sitting down with Solomon for dinner and saying, Solomon, talk to me. What do I need to know about life And in this book, Solomon talks about life under the sun, meaning you can kind of have two views about life. My experience is you can view life as just life down here with no thought of supernatural things, divine things, eternal things. And then this is how life is going to be for you. And he talks a lot about that in Ecclesiastes. But then every now and then Solomon comes back and he says, hey, I just want to remind you that that isn't the reality, that we do have a God who created all these things and who loves us. We do have a God who is waiting for us in eternity. We do have a God that has given us a new identity and a new destiny. And when he's in our lives, wow, 
what a difference that makes. And so here's Solomon talking to, to all of us. And this is what he says about doing life as a team. He says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves cord of three strands is not quickly broken. See, when Solomon says this, it's something also I think that resonates with us. It's interesting how often I get asked for this passage, for example, at weddings. Because I think couples, young couples understand that that this is how life is meant to be. Two are better than one. And in fact, if you look throughout the entire Bible, you, you see one indicator after another of this. Jesus came into this world to complete a mission, and he's the son of God. God himself in human flesh and does not need or require our help, and yet what did he do? built a team of 12 disciples. And if you go the other way, all the way back to the book of Genesis and the Garden of Eden, do you realize that while Adam was still living in a perfect world, a perfect world, a world without sin at this point, when God looked at Adam before he created Eve, do you know what he said? Here's what he said. Genesis 2.18, I put it in your crosswalk notes. Grab those out if you haven't already. The Lord God said, in this perfect world, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. It's not good for a person. In this case, he's, he's referencing Adam, but the principle applies to all humankind. It is not good for us to be alone. God's vision for our lives is that we do life together. We do life in community, in fellowship, as a team. And in fact, Jesus and and the apostles, in the New Testament alone, say 59 times, I want you to write that number down, 59 times they make, make a reference to one anothering, I, I like to call it. And, and I'll, I'll read you some of these. I'm not gonna read you all 59, don't worry. But, but listen to some of these. Be at peace with one another. Wash one another's feet. Hmm. Or serve one another is what that really means. Or, or be willing to do the dirty work for one another. And then in, in one chapter alone we hear this. Love one another. 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 That's Jesus talking there five times in one chapter of the Bible to his disciples shortly before he's going to be crucified. And in fact, throughout the rest of the New Testament, 
that same phrase is repeated nine more times, love one another. And sometimes guys like Peter will add, love one another deeply from the heart with all sincerity. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. Accept one another. Instruct one another. Greet one another. Wait for one another. Have equal concern for one another. Carry each other's burdens. You get the point? 59 times. So it's clear here that, and I'll I'll have you write down this very first point, doing life alone is not God's vision for our lives. In fact, one scholar said about the life of the early church that the primary activity of early Christianity was one anothering one another. I like that. How do we do that here at Crosswalk? Is that an area you think you could get a little better at, that I could get a little better at, that we as a congregation could, could maybe take some steps forward. You know, I always, I always believe this. Maybe you've heard of this Japanese concept, Kaizen. Kaizen basically says that wherever you are, there's always one more small step and another small step and another small step where you can improve things. Here at Crosswalk, I think we do a pretty good job of one anothering one another. But I will tell you, I also believe that Kaizen in that area is also appropriate for us to think about. What's one more little step I might take to one another, the person next to me, so that that person's not trying to do life all by themselves because that's not God's vision for their lives. And so we have to talk, and that's why this is the title for today's message, Cast Vision. We have to talk about, before we build this, this, this idea of our taking care of one another and doing life as a team, we have to ask ourselves if, if we really believe that it is right for us to be one anothering, do we even have that in our mind? And, and, and what does that look like? What, what does it look like? What sort of vision, what sort of picture? Because you know what a vision is when we talk about vision? What, what do we mean by that? It, it's pretty simple, really. When we talk about vision, what we mean is a preferred picture in our mind of what the future might hold. A preferred picture in our mind of what the future might hold. That's what vision is. Remember when you were dating and you began to think, hey, (laughs) I like this girl. I like this guy. And and you go on and you're dating and you you just sense this is getting serious, but no one has done the thing where you say, well, what does the future hold? Where are we headed with this? And you haven't yet had that conversation that you, that you just know that you need to have of sharing your sort of picture of a better future and then hearing their picture of a better future. You haven't had that talk, you know, the one where you, where you say, how many children were you thinking about having? What do you view about 
work, how much you want to work versus us doing life together and having plenty of home time so that we can enjoy one another and enjoy our kids. In other words, how much of a family person are you versus how much of a work person are you? You haven't had that, that conversation yet about where would you like to live? You willing to come over and, you know, live on my side of town or my side of the world? You see, isn't it interesting that when you're at that point in your romantic relationship where you're thinking about marriage, that you naturally cast vision? It, it, it's just a conversation that most of us know we have to have. And, and not only do you cast vision, but you share visions so that you can understand, are we on the same page? You know what I find so interesting about married couples? A lot of married couples stop casting and sharing vision after they've been together for a little while. They stop believing in it. And I think we do the same thing with our friendships sometimes. We, we stop casting vision. We stop thinking, where, where, am, where am I going with God's will? What's the preferred future that God has in mind for me with my friendships? I'll, I'll share with you that I have set a vision for myself to have five guys in my life that I can share anything with. I, I can share my dreams with them. I can share my fears with them. I can share my emotions with them. I can share my joys and successes with them. And why do I do that? Why is that my vision? Because I believe in what was once said, that the, the five people that you're closest to shape you. You become, to some extent, the combination of those five people who are close to you. So why not be visionary and intentional and say, there's a guy I'd like to be like. There's another guy that, man, I, I just admire so many things. Let, I wonder if they would journey through life together with me. I wonder if they would be on Team Jeff, and I could be on their team too. There have been times when it's gone down to four or three. There's times when it's been six or seven. But I can tell you that I've always had this vision of intentionally being surrounded with guys who will help me get where, where I think God is leading me. And I hope that you take time out of today's message to think about who are my five? Who are the people that I can lean on, I can talk to, can share my joys and successes, my weaknesses, my failures, my emotions with? That's part of what this message is all about. But look at what it says in Proverbs 14, 15. The simple believe anything, but the prudent give thought to their steps. Do you see what that's saying? The simple believe, ah, <laughs> que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. It doesn't do any good to plan or envision because who knows when a big old monkey wrench is going to come into my life. Solomon, when he writes the Proverbs, says, that's not the best way to create the life that God has for you. He says, if you're wise, set a vision. Give thought to your steps. 
balance that. Of course, balance that. Look at what he says in Proverbs 16, 9, just two chapters later. He says, in their hearts, humans plan their course. We, we can plan our course. This is what we do. But always understand there has to be room for flexibility in there. Because the Lord is the one who's going to make the final decisions, who's going to establish your steps and take you where you're going. You may have a vision for your life to go one way. God may know that he needs your life to go in another way. And so it is important, cast vision, but also step back and say to yourself, when God brings something into my life, I'm going to be flexible enough to respond to that and see the opportunity in it. It's because the reason God is bringing these things in your life is because he wants to present you with an opportunity. Maybe it's an opportunity for you to grow. Maybe it's an opportunity for you to become stronger in your connection to him. Sometimes we have trouble seeing the opportunities in the things that God allows into our lives because we're in a little bit of pain from them. They're not what we expected But what God says is if you live with this balance, plan your course, but accept that at times he will adjust that course for you. Great things can happen. Here's what I want you to write down. Do I have a shared vision for my friendships, one that I submit to God's will and commit to with my own will? Do I have a shared vision for my life for my friendships, one that I submit to with God's will and commit to with my own will. Let me tell you what I, how I read that. I mentioned just a moment ago that I've, got, that I've got these five guys that I do life together with. We're one anothering one another. I will tell you, there are some things that I have very firmly set in my mind about who those five guys need to be and what they need to represent. Let me share them. I I came up with four that I think are important to all five of us. Honesty is more important than peace. I want you to hear that. Honesty is more important than peace because peace that is based in falsehood is always temporary. So amongst this group of guys... We're going to be absolutely truthful with each other, even if it means kind of spurring one another a little bit. And it might be painful. Number two, in this group, it's not like we call each other every day. Sometimes weeks go by. Sometimes even occasionally months go by. There's a high degree of autonomy in these relationships. But one thing I notice, there's always a commitment to come back together. And when we come back together, it feels like there's been no time that has elapsed between the last time I've talked to that individual. Number three, lots of friendships develop around common passions, don't they? We, we, we often are friends with people who love football or golf like we do or music like we do. In this particular group of friends of mine, there is a common passion for reaching out with the gospel. Every one of these guys in my life has a, has a common passion with me to say, we need more people to know about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need more people to know that Jesus loves them unconditionally and that they are covered by his grace. Another one, 
we value one another's contributions to each other. And we tell each other that. We encourage one another. It took me about one minute to write these down. And frankly, I don't know that I'd ever written them down before. But I asked myself, do I know, do I have in my mind's eye a picture of what these relationships look like, not only from my side, but also from their side? And as I asked myself that question, it, it didn't take me any time at all to write those down. So I want you to ask yourself the question, when, you, when God gives you friendships in your life, what, what are those friendships based in? And what do you want them to be based in? Because then you're going to have a shared vision for your friendships. Now there are beautiful benefits to this. Take a look at Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no revelation, People cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. In other words, when we line up our friendships with what guys like Solomon and the rest of the authors of the Bible inspired by the Holy Spirit have to say, in other words, revelation, great things can begin to happen. Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron. And as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. These are beautiful benefits. Now let's go back to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. See what it says there? Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. That's the first benefit of doing life as a team. I want you to write this down. Number one, God's vision is that I help others achieve their goals and have others to help me achieve my goals. God's vision is that I help others achieve their goals and have others to help me achieve my goals. Put that picture up of the, of the guy carrying the other guy. I love this picture. Isn't that fantastic? Now is that a picture of somebody helping his friend achieve his goal? And actually, the interesting thing, the guy being carried there, his name is Brigham Taylor. He's, he's uh, uh, an acquaintance of, of a member of our church. And he had been in a horrible motorcycle accident. Broken bones, spinal fractures, skin scraped off his back from road rash. I know. And, and he's wanting to train so that he, he can do things like CrossFit games, r ridiculous tests of endurance. And so he, the two of these guys buddied up, and you can see that even while he's healing, he's training. And that's because he, he has a friend who says, I want to help him achieve his goals. And, 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 and then he says, well, I'll do what I can to help him achieve his goals. I'll fuel him up a little bit here. I'll do what I can. See, the beauty of these relationships is you don't always have to have it be 50-50. It can balance and rebalance throughout life as long as the intention is always to help the other person achieve their goals. It's, it's a beautiful thing when you get into a relationship where iron sharpens iron and one person sharpens another and we need to look for those people. 
All right, second benefit. If you look back up to the top, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Look, life is tough. And, and we are going to fall down. We're going to have moments like, like this guy with his motorcycle accident. And, and we're going to struggle to get back up at times. We're going to feel weak and helpless. And there are going to be times in our lives where we lose hope momentarily. There are going to be times in our life where we set challenges for ourselves and we get in the middle of that challenge. And if you're anything like me, it gets really tough in that middle of that challenge. You start to go, mm, what was I thinking when I started this? I don't know if I can finish what I started. And that's when it's so important to have a friend, a good godly friend who can, who can remind you, who can share in your troubles and remind you of God's grace. Paul had that. Paul wrote to the Philippians, bottom of page one, and he wrote, yet it was good for you to share my troubles. Paul always knew that he could look back to this group of believers and they would help him and they would support him. Turn the page over. Second part of God's vision and, and the benefit that goes with it is that I can help others in trouble and receive help when I'm in trouble. Third, third part of this, verse 11, also if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Are there times in your life where you just need someone to come close? When you just need someone to be there for you? Maybe they're not even going to be able to solve the problem that you're going through, but you just want someone there to talk to. Someone to hear you out, to empathize, to provide, in other words, a little bit of warmth in your life. Just their presence alone helps. See, I think God gets this. I think God gets this because of the incarnation. Meaning that Jesus, in his plan of salvation, said, I'm, I'm going to come down and become one of them. I'm going to come near to them. I'm going to situate myself next to them in order to save them for eternity. One of the best things you can do for a friend is just be there. See, I think when, when you think about the book of Job, part of the problem with Job's friends is they come to judge, and they come to give advice. And, and Job's friends maybe would have been a little bit better off if they'd have come to him and just sat down next to him and simply served him. Simply sat quietly and been there throughout his pain and suffering and maybe just listened with a little bit of empathy. That's what we need so often. Take a look at what James writes. Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accomplished by action, is dead. 
One of my favorite stories of the Olympics is the 2000 Olympics. I don't know if you, uh, if you ever heard this story, but it's, it's one of my absolute all-time uh, favorites. Two athletes, both Taekwondo experts, were coming up in, in, the, uh, in their brackets on separate side, both Americans, and they had been friends since childhood. One of them is named Kathy Poe, the other is named Esther Kim. Anybody recognize this story at all? Kind of obscure because it's Taekwondo, not usually one of the events that we get to see on NBC. They're coming up through the ranks and it's clear that they're gonna face each other in the final. And when they get to the final, unfortunately, Kathy Poe, just at the end of her match, right before the final match, tears an ACL. Now here's the deal. There is enough time to get that ACL fixed and healed so that Kathy Poe can fight by the time the Olympics gets here. And so Esther Kim decides, we've been friends since childhood. I feel like she's the better Taekwondo expert, and she steps aside for a friend and says, I'm not going to fight her. I forfeit, and Kathy Poe ends up going to the Olympics. Can you imagine the sacrifice after years of training to do something like that? That's what we mean by looking at a friend and not saying, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed. It's actually taking steps and action. So, This is the third part. God's vision is that I provide warmth to others and receive warmth from others. And then finally, if you go back to the Ecclesiastes passage, it says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And that leads to the the fourth principle. And one of the greatest stories in the whole Old Testament of friendship is Jonathan and David. David comes to his his best friend, Jonathan, one day and says, Jonathan, your dad's trying to kill me. Jonathan says, my dad wouldn't. You're the guy who's leading the army out. You're successful. My dad's a smart king. He doesn't, why would he want to kill you, David? David says to Jonathan, I'm telling you, your dad doesn't like me and he wants to kill me. So they devise this plan and Jonathan goes and meets with his dad, and to make a long story short, he figures out that David is in fact correct, that his dad wants to kill David. And so Jonathan comes out, and through this little scheme of shooting arrows, warns David to flee and get out from where his dad can, can kill David. In other words, he protects his friend David's life. Here's what it says, 1 Samuel 20, 13. But if my father intends to harm you, may the Lord deal with Jonathan, be it ever so severely, if I do not let you know and send you away in peace. May the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. There's a... There's a uh, a little saying that I, I love. Let's, uh, we'll put it up. And this, this is what it says. Loyalty means I am down with you, whether you're wrong or right, but I will tell you when you're wrong 
and help you get it right. You see, this is, that's the story of David and Jonathan. Jonathan could not imagine that his father wanted to kill David. So David helped him get it right. And Jonathan, in loyalty, then in turn protected David's life. And, and that's what we are meant to do in deep friendships, to help each other get on the same path, the correct path, and then to protect one another. Write this down. God's vision is that I protect others from danger and be protected when I am in danger. The, the beauty of all of this for us as Christians And, and, and this, is, this is how it ends in this passage. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. What does that mean? And he's been talking about two, 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 and now he says three. How do I think about it? I've, I've got my five friends, but in reality, I've got my six friends. And there is never any of us that is left entirely alone because we have Jesus as our friend. We have Jesus. Go back. Go back. God's vision is that I help others achieve their goals. Has Jesus not helped you to achieve your goal of being closer to God and being with God in eternity? Absolutely he has by dying on the cross for you. Has Jesus not helped you when you were in trouble? so that you could then in turn help others when they were in trouble. When your sins were separating you from God, when your sins had you on a path to self-destruction and eternal death, did Jesus not step in through his own death and resurrection and help you when you were in trouble? He did. We already talked about Jesus providing warmth. And still today, through his word, he does that. I hope that you find time every day to connect with Jesus in his word because if you're not connecting with Jesus through this beautiful book, you're missing out on the warmth that he wants you to have, his presence in your life. The very reason he became incarnate is to say, I love you this much to come down and be with you. And Jesus protects us. The Bible says Satan prowls around like a roaring lion. And there's Jesus standing between us and Satan, the one who wants to oppress you, the one who wants to take your life with him in eternal death, the one who wants to chew you up and spit you out. Jesus stands there and through his amazing victory won at the resurrection protects you from the power of, of sin and Satan and death. Jesus is our best protector. And John tells us he does all of that because he loves us. Take a look at 1 John 4, 7 to 10. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Where does the ability to, to, to show true love and friendship, it comes from God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among, among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. From broken people, we go to whole people. This is love. 
Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Write this down. Jesus makes us whole and healthy. And the blessing of once again being whole and healthy is that now our friendships here can become more resilient and enduring. Set a vision for yourself. If you're trying to do life alone, let me beg you to, to, to hear this message loud and clear today. If you're, if you're isolated, if you don't have anyone you can turn to, one, one thing I will tell you is, of course you can always turn to Jesus, but he meant for us as humans to do life together to turn to a brother or sister in Christ at this church. And let's one another one another in love just as Jesus first loved us. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now, some closing thoughts from Pastor Jeff. Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear, friends and dear, dear friend Jesus, you have loved us so much and we are astounded that, that you even said to your disciples, I no longer call you my servants, I have called you my friends. And those words were meant for us too. You have called us your friend. And we know that you will be with us every day and that you have been with us every day to watch and guard and protect and to just be present with us. Lord, help us to know through the great promises you make to us in our word that we do have the greatest friend in you, Jesus, our Savior. But Lord, as we receive your friendship, help us to realize that we can also give friendship. Help us to recognize that in our weakness, we sometimes need the friendship of one another. And then motivate us to go out, Lord, blessed by your love, and truly be a congregation of people that do the business of one anothering one another. And I pray this in Jesus' name.